0: Good morning, family. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Awesome. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you guys. Uh, We've got some misfiring going on today, but guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Um, A <laughs> couple of announcements I wanted to let you know about uh, before we uh, jump into the Word today. Uh, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 9 if you want to start to open there uh, while we do this. But um, if anyone is new here... This morning, this is your first time with us, would love to have you take one of those blue cards in front of you, the connect cards there, and just jot down some of your information so we can connect you. We'd love to get you to know you a little bit more and um, get you as plugged into the Graceway community as you are interested in. So if you could uh, fill that out, you can drop that off at the info desk right outside the sanctuary over here. There's an info desk there. You can drop it there and we've got a little something for you to take home with you today. Two other things we want to let you know about. We want to remind you that Thursday nights, every Thursday night, uh, we have a time of, of church prayer, group prayer here at the church. It's at 7 p.m. We go for an hour or so. When we pray for the needs of the church, we pray for the community. We pray for one another. Um, and really, however, however the Lord leads. So everyone is more than welcome to be here for that Thursdays at 7. And the other thing is uh, next Sunday after church, um, we're going to have an opportunity to go over to the nursing home here, and we're going to spend some time in the community room with some of the residents there. They love to see kind of fresh faces, especially young kids, um, so any, any parents with kids who want to go and be part of that, uh, we're taking sign-ups again at the Info Center, so we'd love to have you participate there. I think that's it for this morning. For those of you who have not met, my name is Ed. Uh, I'm the pastor here at the church, and i uh, been here for a about four-ish months now, so it's been. We finished the quarter year, and, and I'm still here, so that must that must be a good sign. <laughs> I made the cut for the first few months anyway. <laughs> so we're going to open up to Numbers chapter nine this morning, and if you would open there, we're going to start reading in verse 15. And I believe that the Lord has something special for us this morning as we jump in to explore. Uh, Just the idea of the presence of God. When it comes down to it, really the only thing that matters in life is the presence of God. Because that's the very thing we were created for, to exist in the presence of God. The very place that we came out of, God Himself breathed us into existence, that's where we belong. We never belonged any other place than in that presence. And so today we're going to talk about the presence of God. So follow along with me, if you will. The translation I'm using this morning is the English Standard Version. So it might be a little bit different if you got the NIV, but um, pretty close. So here we go. We're going to read 15 through verse 23. It says, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening until morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it and at night it looked like fire. Verse 17. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out, and wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Verse 19. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle just a few days. And at the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. you are getting the picture here. Verse 21. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening until the next morning. And then when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted is when they set out. Whenever the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in the camp And not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. Here, read it with me. At the Lord's command they encamped, and at the Lord's command they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Let's pray real quick. God, I thank you for your presence that is always within our reach. It is always something that is accessible. It is something that you have here for us and intended for us, Lord. And so as we talk about this and we read what your word is teaching us, Lord, I pray that you would catch us up in your presence. Captivate us, God, by the cloud of your presence. God, we want to know you more. So open our eyes to see you, Lord, what is right in front of our eyes. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, a few months ago, actually back in September, uh, my family and I, some of my family members, my father, uh, Elijah, my brother-in-law, uh, we all got to participate in the Four Bridges Ride. Has anybody ever heard of the Four Bridges Ride? It's right here on Aquinnock Island. It starts over in Jamestown. You got your, your, everybody comes on their bicycles, okay? It starts over in Jamestown. They were, almost, they were up, somewhere up around near 1,000 uh, bicycle riders at this thing this past September. It starts over in Jamestown, right by, um, Uh, where did we stop off there? Sorry? Roger Williams. Oh, that was the ending point. It finishes at Roger Williams, but it starts in Jamestown. We pedal over the Jamestown Bridge. We ride through Jamestown. Then you ride over the Newport Bridge. You ride all the way up the Aquidneck Island. You go over the Sakonet Bridge, come back over the Sakonet Bridge, and then go over the Mount Hope Bridge, the four bridges. And then we finish at Salve Regina. It's about a 26, 27-mile ride, and I was, I was surprised. Elijah, my 11-year-old son, who was 10 at the time, he made, he made the ride. Just a couple little breaks, and he made it. It was, it was good. It was a good ride. So we were all excited about this thing, and we had gotten our tickets months in advance, looking forward to it. And um, Because for me, I, I enjoy riding my bicycle, but I kind of got to have a purpose. You know, if I'm, if I'm on a mountain biking trail, there's a purpose there. There's some adventure But if I'm on the road, I've got to have, where am I going? What are we doing here? There's got to be kind of a a purpose in that. So something like the four bridges ride, okay, this is a cool experience that you don't get every day, riding over (laughs) these these huge bridges. So it came down to the day that we started our ride, and we got up early in the morning. You say, okay, it's kind of dark out. It's right around dawn. The clouds are in the sky. It's still heavy. So we start riding, though, and the sun never seemed to rise in the sky because this cloud just was so heavy over the bay. So we're pedaling and we're going up the, over the Newport Bridge, which is like, man, nobody gets to like, chill at the top of the Newport Bridge, really, and just enjoy the view like that. And so as we're pedaling, we realized, well, neither are we going to get to enjoy that view today because we were literally just in the middle of that cloud. And the entire bicycle ride, I think, it, did it take us three or four hours to ride it? And it, and it never cleared up. The whole ride on every single bridge we were on, all we could see is maybe from this wall to this wall, 30 feet, and that's it. So we were just kind of pedaling. And so many of you, you've experienced being in the fog, whether you're driving down the road on a dark night in the fog or you're up early in the morning and, and the, the, the dew is kind of rising and it's really that, that heavy mist. When you're in that fog like that, when you're in a cloud, you can't really see around. You're, you're, you, it can be disorienting. You're not really sure where you are. You feel kind of vulnerable. What's, what's about to pop out of the fog and, and, and come at me? Uh, you have no view of your surroundings. The interesting thing is, throughout the scripture, especially in a number of places in the Old Testament, we learn that uh, the cloud, a cloud has appeared as the manifestation of the presence of God. One place in Exodus 40, it says this, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud of God's presence, that's a manifestation of the, the fullness the heaviness of God's presence. And in that place, in that place which can be disorienting, a little uncomfortable, feel a little vulnerable, maybe a little cold, maybe seem sometimes a little bit dark, a little depressing, But in that place is the presence of God. And it's interesting that that is what is a symbol of God's presence. So here we are jumping into the story here where the Israelites had just escaped slavery. Okay, so the passage that we just read in Numbers chapter 9 is where the Lord just led them out of the nation of Egypt. And now they're going through the desert. And this passage that we read is telling us how he led them. There was always before them, day and night, not one moment while they were in the desert was this pillar of cloud not with them. It was with them all day and all night. And as the night came and the sky began to get dark, that pillar turned from a cloud, it turned reddish and turned into like this pillar of fire, this flame. So it was always visible, regardless of daytime, nighttime, fog, It was always in sight, and they knew that the Lord's presence was with them. And these verses that we just read reiterated the intentionality that the people of Israel had with following that cloud. Imagine, they had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. So the the people of Israel who had escaped, they didn't know anything but slavery. There was nothing other than that for them. That was their life. That's all that they knew. And now they've been set free, and now they're in the middle of a desert. It's no wonder they clung to that cloud of presence because that was their only hope. It was God that evidently and powerfully removed them from Egypt, and it was God who was going to take them to where that they were going. Now, they knew where they were going because they had heard the stories of their ancestors gone before them about the promised land, the land that God had set apart for them specifically and that had even been prophesied before they went into slavery that they were going to be enslaved and then they were going to be set free and brought to the promised land. They knew where the Lord was taking them, but they didn't necessarily know how they were going to get there. They knew, they, they knew an idea of the promised land. They heard that it was a, a fruitful land, a, a land that gave abundance, the opportunity for wealth, and, and health and strength, the opportunity for them to become a strong nation of their own rather than be enslaved by another strong nation. They knew these stories, but they had no personal experience from this promised land. They knew about it. They knew it was good. They knew it was something that they wanted, but it wasn't from their personal experience. It was from what others told them about it. And so they knew that the only way to get there and experience that for themselves was to follow the presence of God as he led them down. And so they did. They were intently following that cloud, and they followed it uh, completely submissively. When it lifted, they would move, and when it came to rest, they stopped. They were ready at any moment to just pick their stuff up and go. Imagine when you're in a desert, there's not a whole, lot, a whole lot around to kind of distract you anyway. Oh, there's dirt that way, and there's some sand that way, and there's some rocks that way. There's not a lot to pull your attention away. Well, the idea that we're getting from this passage here is this. Because they were on a journey, they were going somewhere, They didn't. the only thing that they had to do was, was follow. There wasn't a lot of distractions. They knew this is not where they lived. They're passing through something. This is a season. It's a time. It's a journey that really there's an end goal here. And in order to get to that end goal, they had to follow with intentionality. And so they were fixed upon that cloud. They would not let that thing move an inch without packing their stuff up, and then they're following it. They had to be ready at any moment because it said here, whether, whether it went was and, and was traveling by day or by night, they followed that thing. And sometimes it would just stop for a night, and then it would begin to move again the next day. And sometimes it would rest in a place for a year or longer. But they had to be ready at a moment's notice to pack up their tents, pack up their families, and keep going. They had no agenda of their own because their only plan, their only purpose was to get to that place that was their goal, that was their destination. They had no other agenda but to follow the presence of God. They wanted to stay in that cloud. They wanted to follow the fog wherever it led them because that was their hope. So they acknowledged that cloud at all times. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter three where it says, to us, all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's easy to acknowledge him in all of our ways when there's no distractions and all we're focused on is is that cloud of presence before us, taking us to our destination? But man, when we're living in a place where, where distractions and concerns of, of life are always being thrown at us, man, that, that affects us real quick. That takes our mindset, and all of a sudden, we're, we're looking to the right and to the left, and, and, and what we were focused on at first, and we knew it was the right thing, That we, we can get sidetracked and pulled away from that so quickly. And it says, when we acknowledge Him in all our ways, He makes our paths straight. It's interesting to think, though, that the the path that the presence of God was leading the Israelites on was not a straight path, necessarily. The reason I say that is this. It tells us in the book of Exodus in 13 that when they had left Exodus, the shortest and easiest way, if you look on a map, is for them to to travel uh, east and north, and they would arrive at the promised land. But it says right there that the Lord did not lead them that way, but instead led them south, almost in the opposite direction of where they were trying to go. That's where the presence led them, into the desert, rather than straight to the promised land. Now, there was a purpose for that, though. It says right there that had they gone that way, they would be encountered by another enemy nation. They would have to go through the the Philistine country. And it says right there that the Lord did not want his people to become discouraged. They leave slavery and now they're engaged in war that they weren't equipped and ready for. And so he took them around the country, the nation of, of the Philistines, in order to keep them safe. So the path that he set them on was with their well being, with them in mind, was for their purpose. And that's important for us to remember this. The path. And the journey that the Lord has us on is always with your best interest in mind. He's not trying to yank our chain or move it this way or that for somebody else's benefit, but it's for our good. He's taken us to that place that we want to be, even though sometimes it feels like we're going in the opposite direction. And when we see that that, that cloud of presence leading us in another direction, we say, well, well, no, I just wanted to go, it's right there, I can almost see it. Why, why am I being led over here? It's tempting in that time to want to shift over and say, okay, I see what you're doing over there, but I'll meet you back over here, okay? We want to now begin to plot our own course, not knowing what, is, what kind of adversity is in that place and why the Lord was shifting us around, taking us the roundabout way. There's a purpose in taking that roundabout way something that if we don't follow submissively and, 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 and obey the direction the Lord is leading us in, we're only setting ourselves up for harm, potential danger. It's really going to end up being having to learn the hard way when the Lord is saying, no, I have your concerns as mine. I'm bringing you this way on purpose. It's for your good. Because where the presence of the Lord is that's where the authority and the power and the dominion of God reigns. And that's where we want to be. See, for the Israelites in this time, that pillar of cloud, that, was, that provided their guidance. That was even a protection for them. When they, were, when, they were, when they were backed in up against the sea, it says that that cloud moved from in front of them and went before them because when the e- Egyptian army was coming, that cloud stopped the army in their tracks. So that presence of God in the cloud, it was their protection. That presence provided them peace and assurance that no matter where it led, they were going to be provided for. That's the place that we belong. That's the place that God wants us to reside in. Not the places that we kind of plot out and see, okay, that's what I need, this is what I'm looking for, and then just go and seek after that. But he wants to remind us that the place where his presence is is where we need to be. That's where, that's the best place that we can be. And so Israel followed, they followed this presence right up to the border of the promised land. And it says that they arrived at the edge of the promised land in a place called Kadesh Barnea. They arrived there within two years of leaving Egypt. And then when they arrived there and they saw the territory, they got a glimpse of the produce and, and the richness of that land, and it looked so good. But they also saw the inhabitants of that land that were giants, and that caught, struck fear in the people of Israel. And this people that led the visible, that they followed the visible presence of God for two years, and they trusted God. God was like visibly, physically like there with them, led them to the edge of the promised land, was ready to lead them in, and then the people... They, they look at who's living there and all of a sudden they were shook to, the, shook to the core and they didn't have the courage to enter and they refused to follow the presence of God into the land. And for this reason, after two year, years they were there, for that reason, because they didn't have the faith to follow, now they ended up wandering around in that desert for another 38 years Before all of that generation that didn't have the faith to follow any longer, they all passed away. They all died off, and the next generation grew up over the 38-year period, and they now entered that promised land that was intended for their fathers, but they didn't have the faith to follow the presence of God. Man, it takes us trust and faith to follow God into the place He wants to take us, because many times we've been coming back to this over the past number of weeks. The will and purpose of God is counterintuitive to what we think is good for us. So when we're following where he leads and all of a sudden we see some kind of, you know, iffy situation, it looks a little iffy, it's a little little concerning, I'm not quite sure about this, all of a sudden we want to kind of hang back and say, okay, God, you, you keep going, you do your thing, I'll wait, you finish what you do and I'll be right here when you come back. He says, no, I'm leading you into that place because there's a purpose for you there. There's blessing for you there. You just don't see it with your eyes right now. The cloud of presence, it, led, it, it determined the motions, it determined the, the march, and it determined the encampments where they would set up shop for the Israel for that 40 years. And even after they refused to go into the promised land after those two years, that presence stayed with them that 38 years. God continued to guide them, yes, throughout the desert, but he didn't leave them and say, okay, well, you know what? You refuse to go in. uh, I can't do anything more with you because you got no faith. He remained with them even though because of their own faithlessness, they couldn't enter the promised land. Sometimes the only thing holding us back is a lack of faith in what God is doing. And we need to be reminded that what he is doing is for my good. And where he leads me Though it looks a little bit scary and intimidating is the best place for me and in that place I will find abundance. In that place you will find that overcoming victory over any threat over our lives. In that place he wants to take us there is provision like we couldn't imagine. But it takes the faith to follow through that intimidation. Follow through and t- cast fear to the side and say that looks scary, but I see the presence of God moving in that direction, so, so will I. I will follow that presence wherever it goes. Some of you might be thinking, you know, this is Old Testament. We're, we're talking about following the presence of God. Well, well what, ha- what will happened to Jesus Christ dying on the cross and now giving us the Holy Spirit? What about the book of Acts where it talks about now that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now believers in Christ have the Holy Spirit living in us So is it really about following the presence anymore? Because the presence of God is in me. So like wherever I go, I carry it with me. We're carriers now of the presence of God. So what's this whole idea of following the presence of God if if the presence of God is in me? Well, we do carry the presence of God, but we gotta be careful. We're gonna say, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna do whatever I want with this. I'm gonna go wherever I want with it because there's still a place in our lives that demands that submission to to who God is. You know, in John chapter 5, in verse 19, Jesus is telling us about him. He tells us about the journey that he is on, and he's explaining the things that he does. And this is what he says in John chapter 5. This is Jesus, this is God incarnate in man, God in man. And this is what he says about what he does. He said, I say to you, the son himself can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever he see, for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. The disciples, they're talking to Jesus and he's telling them about the things that he does, the miracles that he is doing, the things that he's speaking over people's lives, bringing healing and hope and forgiveness. And Jesus says to them, nothing that you see is what I'm doing because I decided to do it. Everything that you see me doing, that's what God is doing. I'm just joining in. I'm just jumping in on the adventure. So this is God himself, the Son of God, here now in human form. It says in another place that the Spirit of God remained upon him. He had the Spirit there with him. And he didn't just determine his own plan. He didn't make his daily agenda and say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go heal that person. I'm gonna go preach to these people. No, he got up in the morning. He was with the Lord. And then he followed where he saw the Father lead. If God himself... Jesus had to follow the presence of the Lord, how much more so do we have to follow the presence of the Lord as he works all around us? See, he rec- Jesus recognized that there was, God had a purpose in all things. Every event in our lives and in the, r- the lives around us had purpose. There was intentionality with it. It wasn't a matter of happenstance or chance, but God was at work, and so he moved along with where he see, saw the Father working. But following the presence, man, that's a challenge. That is not an easy thing to do. In John 1, verse 32, it tells us about uh, when Jesus was baptized. And it says this that after he was baptized, it says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. So you have this picture, Jesus comes up out of the water. And then the Holy Spirit comes like a dove and rests on him. And it says that he remained on Jesus. A couple days ago, um, my wife, I, I was not able to see this scene, but she told me about it. She took the kids out to Second Beach. I think it was Thursday. It was a really nice, warm day. And so they decided, hey, we need some sun in our skin. We need, we need to get our face like out in the air. And so they decided to go to Second Beach, and they brought some food, and they, they wanted to set up a nice little picnic on Second Beach. So they went over by Surfer's End there, where the big rocks are, and they laid out a big blanket, and they started putting out all the food, the sandwiches and chips and snacks and drinks and all this kind of stuff. And uh, as they sat down and began to take partake of their food, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hear some squawking. (laughs) And you know the rest of the story. (laughs) Second beach over there by, by Surface End, come on. Those seagulls came in a horde, and all of a sudden, it was like a flock descended upon them, and they're nipping, they're clawing at all their food. My son, he takes his food, he's, he jumps off the boulder, and he has this high-pitched scream, like, a, like, I mean, he's 11 years old. He hasn't got through puberty, right? He's got this high-pitched scream. So he's like, ah, ah! running back and forth through the parking lot, all through all the cars, he's screaming, running around, as, as the birds are, like, chopping, following him, like, <laughs> trying to grab at his food. Arabella's on the rock. She can't even get off and the birds are literally almost perching on her shoulder and they're trying to grab at her food and she's just trying to get rid of them over here <laughs> and it was madness. And meanwhile, so I, she was telling me, she's just sitting there on the rock just kind of watching it all happen. It's just, <laughs> what, what can you do? Pack it up the food and just have a good laugh about it. <laughs> the reason I mention this is because we t- we're talking about the spirit of God descending like a dove <laughs> and remaining on Jesus. <laughs> These seagulls, they were coming down, but they weren't remaining. <laughs> they were looking for some food, and these kids were fighting them off with all that they could, with everything in them. They, they did not want that. There's something about the presence of God that as much as, as much as God wants to be with us, he wants us to be in that presence, we've got to choose to remain in that place. That dove remained upon Jesus, and there's a reason for that because Jesus was intentional about letting that thing stay there and remain perched on him. And when it wanted to move, he followed that gently. He's going that way. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go this way. He wants to go this way. It wasn't trying to, get, just get off of me. I'm going to do my own thing. That's, that's, that's too scary. That's a little uncomfortable. Just get away from me. No, for Jesus, it says that the Spirit remained on him, and because he was gentle with it, because he respected that, because he was in tune with that presence, he followed it. And this is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to remain in the presence. Another passage that talks about Jesus' baptism, this instance that I just mentioned, is in Mark chapter one. And it says, at once the Spirit, this is after it had descended upon him. After it descended upon him and remained on him, it says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And angels attended him. See, the place that the the presence of God leads us, it's not always a fun place. It's not always easy. It's a challenge. But let me ask you has anyone in life never experienced a challenge? The truth of the matter is this no matter which path you choose, you're going to face challenge, you're going to be encountered by opposition. If you choose your own way or if you choose the way the Lord is leading you to, you will face opposition. Would you rather face the opposition in your own power, in your own strength, or would you rather face the opposition where the presence of the Lord has led you and he, his authority remains in that place? I, I don't know about you, but I would rather be under the presence of the Lord because where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom Where the presence of the Lord is, there is protection, there is provision, and there is blessing. So that no matter how close that threat, and it looks like the enemy is getting awful close, they're charging at you and they've got their weapons drawn and they're getting close. No matter how close that they get, you stand firm and they're gonna hit that brick wall before they ever come. All the enemy can do is bring threats. Is bring threats. That's why the battlefield, it says, is in the mind. Because we see the threat And now now it affects us in our spirit and in our mind. Now we get scared. But it's all a head game. All the enemy can do is bring threats because the Lord is sovereign and not the enemy. God has the last say. So the spirit came and remained upon Jesus. Had this amazing moment. The voice like thunder came out of the sky and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased this awesome moment, people see, like, whoa, the power of God. And then the Spirit led, leads Jesus out into the wilderness, into the desert, to be by himself for 40 days to fast and be tempted by Satan. And this is where he was led. In those times where, where we see the presence, and we, we want to follow it, and we see it leading into those desert places, that might, be, that might mean for you that desert could look like um, a bout of sickness, a famine, It could look like a a poor job situation or any kind of struggle that comes along that that desert might look like. But in that desert, the Lord has gone before us. God doesn't send us out into there and say, okay, that's where I want you to go. And when you get there, you're gonna see see this struggle. Now, when you get to that struggle, I want you to to, to handle it this way. No, he doesn't send us and try to give us a game plan. He goes before us and, and leads the way. Jesus went into that desert, and he gave us, the, he was our perfect role model. He's showing us the example to follow. Follow the presence. It's simple. See, this, when we're talking about the things of God, it's, it's too simple, people. We, we overcomplicate things too much. We make it so much more than it needs to be. It's just a matter of following the presence of God. That's all it is. That's all that matters in life. Are you following the presence? Are you aware of what he's doing? And are you following in obedience? It's that simple. But when we're in the desert times and we see these threats and we see the struggle, our first reaction is, where did he go? I know he was leading me this way, but where, where did he go? Where's his presence now? But if we're being If we're in that desert because we've been obedient, then we're in in the best place for us. Sometimes we find ourselves in what seems like a desert because of our own poor decisions. You see, we we take the course that we wanted to chart instead of the course that he led us. And when we find ourselves in in that struggle and in that desert because of our own doing, that's the place where we need to hit our knees and say, God, I took a wrong turn here. I'm coming back. I'm gonna follow you. See, it might feel like Those desert times are pointless. Like, What's the purpose of this? What's God doing here? But he's doing greater things in us than we even are aware of. See, those times in the desert, they draw out what is in our heart. They teach us to live by the word of God. They teach us obedience. Those times teach us to trust in the Lord. They train us for the things that the Lord has ahead. See, when we're living without Christ, and without that purpose, what drives us is not the presence of God, but it's the basic human needs. If we're not following the presence of God, we're going to follow what is our natural, innate human needs. You've probably heard about these the, four levels of human needs. First of all, survival. We just need to survive and stay alive. Once we've achieved survival, we, just, we want stability. We don't want to just be, you know, shooting up and down and just like this emotional roller coaster. We just want stability. And if we've got stability, now we want to shoot for success. We want to do things well. We want wealth. We want to do okay. And once we've reached that success level, now we want significance. I want to be important. I want to do something that means something. These basic human drives. Without Christ, these are the things that we're shooting for. This will guide our decisions. But when we we come to Christ and we realize that the presence of God is all that matters in life, we come to realize that all these needs, they're all met in that place, and there's more abundance in that place. There is more than survival. There is more than stability and success and significance. There's the presence of the living God. It's all in one place, family. It's in the presence of the living God. This is what he wants for us live in that cloud, follow the fog, wherever he leads. But how do we know where he's going? Doesn't it seem kind of this mystical thing? Well, follow God, really? How how can we know what it is he wants us to do or where he wants us to go? But Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, he he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God guides us in a very apparent way. He doesn't hide himself from us. He sure isn't trying to trick us and yank our chain and say, ah, I got you to take a left when you're supposed to take a right. (laughs) No, it says that his presence was a cloud by day. You couldn't miss it. And at night, it turned into a flaming pillar. You couldn't. Miss it. Sometimes it's just a matter of, just, of us just taking a step back, taking an assessment of our lives, and then taking an object, objective look at what, what's around us, what's happening around us. He's not hiding himself from us. His presence is very clear. And if we give him space to, sh- to open our eyes, we will begin to see what it is he's doing. And, and then we will know how to jump into that work, how to partake in that. Then we'll know how to follow. It's just a matter of being in tune. Following him is never something that he will demand of us either. He's given us freedom. In Christ there is freedom. It says in Galatians five that it is for freedom that you have been set free. He didn't set us free from sin so that now we can be enslaved to something else and forced to do something else. No, following God, yeah, it's what he wants for us. Yeah, it's the best thing for us, but no, he will not force it. That's a choice that we have to willingly make. It's also not something that we can just kind of follow limply and just say, okay, I get it, God, your way is the best. I'm just gonna, I give up, I surrender. Cuff me, take me. He doesn't drag us along. He doesn't force us to do it. And we can't just sit back and say, okay, God, have your way and just do nothing. It's an active thing. Remaining in the presence of God takes action on our part. It's a choice that we make with our free will, and it's an action that we take. In John fifteen four to 5, Jesus says this, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Doesn't this sound similar to what Jesus just told us about himself? He said, the Son does nothing by himself, but the Spirit of God remained upon him. Jesus is telling us to do the same thing that he was already doing. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you, because if you depart from me, you can do nothing. He wants us to bear much fruit. And sometimes, to bear much fruit, yeah, it takes following the presence of God into the desert. Jesus followed the Spirit into the the desert times. He followed the Spirit even to torture and to the cross. He followed the presence of God even to death. But he did it to bring a lost and hopeless wandering people, lost in the desert, back into the presence of God. He did it for our good and for the glory of the Father. I pray that he gives us strength to follow him even through those dry desert times, even in those lonely places, that he give us strength to trust his plan unconditionally, not that we'll follow him this far and then we'll, we'll kind of just hope that he comes back to us and leads us another way. Maybe he'll change his mind if we sit still for a week or two. But may he give us the strength to follow him unconditionally, regardless of the details and, and what that means. May we let the, the fog of the presence of God lead us. We know that he leads us, it says even in the scripture. He takes us from glory to glory. He has countless victories in store, ready to to give to us, giving liberty from oppression like nothing and no one else can. Those things are exciting. They're easy to, to desire and say, Yeah, I'm on board. But on the way to those things, we see the presence lead us right into the trial. The question this morning is this Will we follow the presence of the Lord as He leads us into those lonely places? will we follow the presence of the Lord when he leads us into the trials? Because the truth is the victories lie on the other side of those trials. And if we aren't able to follow him into the desert, how are we ever gonna arrive at the victory he wants to give to us? We have to follow him at all times and all things. When we see him leading, when we see where he's taken us, and we see that there's, there's perceived struggle and challenge there, will we follow him into that hardship or will we pull back on the reins and say I'll just I'll just wait for you here if we follow the lord in the places of favor and blessing and the things that look good and we want we want these victories we want the provision and all these things that he promises and if we follow him for that but we're not willing to follow him into the desert are we really following him Or are we following just the path of comfort? Are we just following our emotions? Are we we chasing after the pleasures? Or are we chasing after the presence? See, God is challenging us. Follow my presence. It's not out of your reach. Every one of us have the same accessibility to the presence of God as as the next person. It's right in front of us. No matter if we've strayed and ch- taken our own course for however long, our whole lives, but today we, we wake up to the presence of God and we say, okay, I want to follow. We don't have to find our way back and say, okay, where did I miss the presence of God? Where was it when I left? No, because it's been, he's been right behind you the whole way. So the moment that you stop and say, now I want to follow the presence of God, where is it? Just, it's right there. From the moment you make the decision, you don't have to find your way back. You're already found. You've already been found. That's the easy part. Now it's just following the presence from this moment and forward. He will never leave you nor forsake you, but he won't drag you along either. He wants us to willingly remain in him and follow him. He doesn't force us, but no, he lovingly beckons us, come this way. You don't even know what I have in store for you. Come this way. It's good. You don't even realize, oh man, I know it's wrapped up and you can't tell what's in it now, but just follow me and trust me because I can't wait for you to open this gift. I can't wait for you to experience this. I prepared it with you in mind, specifically you in mind. Where I am is where you want to be, he tells us. Our aim in life, our purpose, must be the very presence of God. Nothing else. Nothing particular. Career, wealth, fam- even family. The presence of God leads us to all of these things. It's all found in one place. We don't need to run around and collect this thing that we wanted, and that thing, and that thing, and that thing. It's all in one place, family. It's all in the presence of God. So, my challenge this morning is this. Let's open our eyes. Let's see the presence of God. Where is that pillar of cloud? Where's the fog of the presence of God? Follow the fog. In that place where it feels like you can't tell where your surroundings are, you can't tell which way to go, but the Lord knows which way to go, follow the fog. Stay in it. Don't let it depart from you. If you see it start to move, move with it. If you would see it stop moving, stop and wait because there's something there for you in that place. And just like we see Israel do in Numbers chapter 9, when it moves, move with it. When it stops, stop with it. There's purpose, there's favor, and there's blessing in that place. There's no rush to be anything other than in the presence of God. Let's pray. God, you are good, and man, you are love. Oh, Lord, that you would give us the awareness of your presence around us. I thank you for your presence here in this place this morning, Lord. I thank you for the way that you've called us out, you've set us apart, you've made yourself evident to us. Thank you so much for that. And Lord, I pray that as as we turn our hearts to you, that you would help us to do just what you did, Jesus, to see what the Father's doing and help us to know how to partake in that, how to follow you into those things. And Lord, I pray that even when we see your presence take us into these places of loneliness, these places of trial, and these desert places, oh Lord, give us the faith. Rouse up our faith in those moments to follow after you right into that opposition, right into that perceived threat, knowing that while the threats may encompass around us, we are in a That bubble of your protection, just like it says in the Psalms, that in the presence of my enemies, you set a table of feast before me. They might want to attack, but they don't have access because I am in the presence of God, and that is not something that they can penetrate. So, Lord, let us rest in your presence. No matter what the details may look like, we know that in your presence, There is peace and assurance and provision and guidance and everything that we need in life in one place. It's in you. It's all in you. So draw us ever closer to you, God. We love you and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.